Yeah, well, Randa here is going to fix us some lunch, ain't you, Randa? No. Well, then you can just go shit in your hat. I just want to say that we should change the television theme to dubstep because dubstep is really big right now. And I really feel like we should get in on that. <laughs> movement. I think we should change it to the market theaters. <laughs> the market theaters in front, then we can all do the. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cherry 2000. Here we go. You don't understand. She's a Cherry 2000. That phrase is the spiritual heart of this film a throbbing narrative throughline, as well as the protagonist's sole raison d'etre. It's said often, and is met with either bafflement or a knowing wink and a nod. One thing is abundantly clear. In the grim darkness of the near future, one hero will stop at nothing on his PG-13 quest to find a new body for his broken vintage sex robot. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Cherry 2000. Let's, um, let's just start out and introduce the... Uh... The cast of commentators tonight um, from Minneapolis, Minnesota, for the dynamic duo of Ben Hansen and Alex Davy, appropriately wearing black and white as only they should. As the podcast listeners will see with their ears. Yep. Yeah. From uh, they've been from, informed. Currently residing in Los Angeles, California. No, no, do it better. Do yeah. it better. From sunny Los Angeles, California. Hollywood from Jones. Hollywood. <laughs> it's Glendale, <laughs> 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 But, uh, featuring Whatever, Alex Stylings of Madeline Carey, Fell, and Toby Jones. Uh, and then from Fargo, <laughs> North Dakota, uh, Alex Orum. He's <laughs> still in Harris. We're all from Fargo, North Dakota. Not Turn me. Up. Don't love Aaron, you freaks. Not me. I wasn't born there. I'm an immigrant. I don't no. like that's PG-13. Yeah, that's that's an interesting uh, an interesting thing to note right off the bat. This is a movie about uh, sex robots in the future, and it can't even really show any nipples. Yep. Yeah, so it's really, it's really weird. Like the story is essentially about sex, and a lot of times it tries to be risque with like going to hotels like the Glory Hole or the Glue Glue Club, where people negotiate sex with lawyers. But it it never really feels risque ever. It doesn't feel successful when it tries to be something. No, what it really is, it's very, there's very little sex in this movie. What it really is is a weird chimera of a film. It's part fish out of water story part road movie, and uh, part romantic comedy. And I think, I think it probably behooves us to just go through the plot a little bit. Uh, well, it starts off with a gentleman uh, meeting up uh, with his presumed wife. Uh, she begins telling him bizarre facts about, I think, Benjamin Franklin or Vaseline, something like that, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. which, which turns him on enormously. He jumps her. Uh, I don't know if she did something wrong with the dishwasher. This futuristic dishwasher is spewing suds all over the floor. They then proceed to have very hot, soapy, bubbly sex, uh, where she short circuits and sort of melts on the inside, because I guess that's what bubbles do. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he has to take her to get repaired in she's the most robot. embarrassing story of he ruined his sex robot uh, 
having sex with her on his soapy kitchen floor. That that <laughs> sex dude, that sex robot repairman has seen it all. He's yeah. not face in the least. Uh, and then uh, I guess to the main part of the movie, uh, where his specific model is uh, very rare. So he takes the memory chip out, and uh, he needs to find the specific chip. He doesn't want any of these other skanky uh, sex robots. Right, it's not, it's not a case of he can just model. buy a new one. And he just certainly doesn't want any of the references to robots from 1950s movies, which they throw in there, because yeah. why not? Apparently at the same shop where you can buy sex robots, you could also buy Gort or Robbie the Robot, in case you wanted to, like, fuck either one of those. I would buy Robbie. There's a market for everything. He can materialize anything. He can materialize a comical amount of beer uh, for your stupid comic subplot inside (laughs) of a great movie. (laughs) So why not? All right, so his sex robot is broken. He can't get it fixed, and he can't buy a replacement. He's very distraught over the loss of Cherry, um, but his co-workers convince him to try out a real woman for a change. So they take him over to the Glue Glue Club, where we see more... Is it, uh, is it Mor- Morpheus? Yes. Yeah, Morpheus. Yeah, yeah. He plays a... Cowboy Curtis. Yeah. Affectionately uh, known as Cowboy Curtis. <laughs> who, who I'd like it to be exactly. noted had the uh, strangest career basically, ever. Uh, in this club, uh, love has lost its way. And instead of people finding each other naturally, sex is arranged through lawyers and various legal documentation. Really difficult legal contract sex. negotiations. Like balls to the walls contract negotiations. Yeah. He realizes this ain't for me. I believe the repairman tips him off to a forbidden zone out in the desert where there's supposedly a warehouse full of old sex bot models. And that might just be the ticket to find his dearly departed cherry today. So we have the MacGuffin, we have the beginnings of a quest, but he can't just go out into the forbidden zone on his own. He's some oh, no. he's some schlumpy he office needs an worker. Expert tracker. He he needs an expert tracker. Well he, from what I can recall, goes to a seedy town called to Soda City Glory Hole. Yes. And he has to jump through a few hoops, but eventually uh, meets up with the sassy, saucy, scruffy Melanie Griffith in the lead DVD cover role of the film. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I mistakenly thought that she was Cherry Two Thousand when you see the uh, when you see the movie cover. She's she's kind of standing there with a, a rocket launcher. Yeah, but she, yeah. she she presents her uh, her moral confusion with this our main character's play and feels that it's ridiculous. But you know it's her job, so she decides to go anyway, and uh, so begins their adventure. It's not all it's not all uh, bargain basement bond mods when it comes to E. Johnson. Uh, she's got a pretty pimp ride, and uh, she can handle herself. Well, they they go in order to cross into the forbidden zone which is uh, just Nevada. And if you've ever been to Nevada, there's a reason it's the Forbidden Zone. And they need to get through this strange river by going through a crane that takes them up via magnet, to which she claims, uh, Melanie Griffith's character, E. Johnson, claims she's done this numerous times before. You always work this way? Yeah, but it's never been this easy. Uh, Which makes no sense because they barely get through being lifted over the Hoover Dam, uh, and having numerous, numerous people shoot bazookas at them, a la real-life fucking worms. But mostly, they get through this and go through the, the Hoover Dam, and of course meet up with Six-Fingered Willie and his collection of toaster ovens. Um, 
Six Finger Pete. No, no, yeah, it's finger? not the right name. I'm not using the right. I, I am using right. And so he eventually finds his ex girlfriend, who's with Lester, who's a really fantastic blonde uh, asshole bad guy who sort of rules the desert in this half Mad Maxian world that we're in. The movie doesn't really know what it wants to be. But Lester is just straight up amazing the entire time. Oh yeah. Oh damn. Uh, you know, not not to spend too much time on the film or ruin the ending, but basically, you know, feelings develop between E. Johnson and the uh, and the title title character. What the hell is his name? Sam. Sam. Sam Treadwell. Sam Treadwell and E. Johnson, and uh, he he ultimately does find the robot, realizes that she's borderline retarded, and uh, has to sort of reassess his relationship. Uh, near the climax of the film, but I think that's enough. I think that's enough summary. Um, certainly gives you the idea. Um, let's just talk about expectations versus reality. Uh, did this movie do it for you? What were you expecting going in? I was expecting another one of the legion of terrible Mad Max ripoffs that happened in the eighties. Oh. And, God, yes. and a lot of them were, and, and they're very bad. We watched a few of them, thinking we might do them for television, and they just suck. They're all so cheap because I realized, oh, wow, we can just take cars and go out to the desert and fucking film shit. And they don't film it well. They don't add a story behind it. I've seen more boring movies made in the 80s set in the desert than I care to recall. It was kind of a... It was kind of this a, is luckily not one of them, or at least it's the upper crust. It, it, it's a, it's yeah. a refreshing... Uh, the attempt is a refreshing change. Well, the, the thing about the movie is that the, the Mad Max elements are peripheral to the, the film yeah, they're not central to the that they, they sort of serve as a colorful backdrop to the weirdest romantic comedy you've ever seen. Um, yeah, I really prefer this kind of take on the post-apocalyptic world because Sam Trammell, I believe he lives in Anaheim and uh, much <laughs> to the delight of everyone at the glory hole who laughs him out of the bar, basically. Well, Anaheim! Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so you got cities and everything you've still got civilization i guess it's kind of blade runner or something yeah it's not mad max not a, nobody wears leather like thin strips of leather with studs because apparently that's all that's left after the apocalypse <laughs> yeah it's um, there's just one big warehouse full of studded leather strips and everyone had to deal with that and yeah. the, the the movie implies it's, it's like a lot more fun it, it yeah the way to do it it's just a, a much more enjoyable take than there, many other post-apocalyptic movies try to give it the only kind of adventure Mad Max scene in the whole movie is probably the coolest scene. E. Johnson and Sam Treadwell need to get to this warehouse, and it, it, it's across an enormous river. The only way across the river is this monstrous crane operated by Lester's goons. Uh, but E. Johnson has done this before. She's, she's been in this situation before. She knows how to handle it. Apparently, the only way to get across the river is to let her car get picked up by these cranes. Then about 15 people with rocket launchers spend, I want to say, 20 separate takes firing them at the car to no discernible effect. I mean, the car is struck, the car is struck five, six, seven times. And all that seems to happen is a huge cloud of dust is kicked up with each hit. I mean, I don't know what they they're- They do blow up a butte. They blow up they, a freaking mountain. They blow up an entire mountainside, and yet every rocket that hits home on this car either just bounces off or produces a, a, an explosion of dust. So the, the whole scene is baffling from 
any angle that you look at it because it's like, first of all, they could have just not picked the car up. Second of all, they could have just dropped the car. If it were a toll crane and halfway through the ride, Lester's goon showed up and like shot the crane operator and like tried to stop them, that would make sense. Or, yeah. or if, you know, like any number of, there were any number of tweaks that could be done to make this scene even somewhat logical, but they just decided that that was too much work. Well, I think, I, I, I think, I go to the director, I think the director just didn't care. They go, we want to have a car dangling over a Hoover Dam on a giant crate with rocket launchers and then drop it down a car water slide. Do we need an explanation? That is good. It's like they conceived of the, it's like they conceived of the set piece and then built the movie around it. Yeah. And didn't bother, you know, cleaning up the edges or making any of it make any sense at all. And like every Mad Max riff, they always imply that the world's gone to shit and that no one has any, like, food. They certainly don't have any money. This one's a little more in between because California and, like, big cities are doing okay if you're a rich lawyer. But, like, out in the desert, you know, all these other things. And these people are, like, living as nomads. But ammunition is plentiful <laughs> and free. Everybody's got it. And, and Maybe fewer... the part we didn't see is right before the actual apocalypse strikes, when everyone's like, "All right, everybody's building bullets. Just put something together. I don't care what we need. Seven thousand. Everyone's investing in golden bullets. Yes, it's exactly like uh, in uh, the Road Warrior when they're all so obsessed with the precious juice, the uh, the giant tanker of gas, and at no point does anyone ever reference food or water in the middle of the Australian desert. <laughs> no, it's gasoline. First you get the gas, then you get the money, then you get the women. That's, that's how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure that's the tagline, maybe. Um. <laughs> well, okay, so it sounds like it sounds like we liked it. I think that's fairly unanimous. Was anyone disappointed by any aspects of this film? Yeah. Um, well, well, disappointed oh, yeah. is, is, a, is not necessarily the word because I didn't really have much expectations for the film, so it was, I, couldn't, I wouldn't say that I was disappointed. However, it's, it's far from a perfect film. It definitely has problems. Melanie Griffith is awful. She has no well, idea. She's good, though. What? Which is good. I mean, no, she's it's a dread. Not. She's a dreadful actress, and she, she doesn't know how to play her part at all. She's she, utterly charmless. It could be worse. She's a, <laughs> she's a charming presence. I think the film. Did you like the character? Do you like her? I thought she was fine. She, I didn't like her. I thought no, I thought she terrible. was lazy. Yep. And, uh, oh, here's a spunky girl who's good at everything, and she's gonna get past the bad guys. She's rough and tumble and a tomboy. Also, yes, she can't, she can't, she can't pull I that, but she can't even pull that role off. She can't even be yeah. like the tank girl because yeah, when she's, she's when she's aiming a bazooka, she no, she's, it. when she's aiming a bazooka, it looks like she's like picking out a new paint swatch. Like that at no moment, <laughs> at no moment do you ever buy that she could survive for five seconds in the forbidden zone. Yeah. It's, it's not Let alone, yeah. she's not even good at playing the character in the way that characters are playing, good at playing cartoon stereotypes in like Death Race 2000. Like, she delivers numerous what's supposed to be badass lines, and she just sounds stilted. It's like you hired Keanu Reeves to be Keith Carradine's character in Death Race 2000. I just, it's yeah, wooden, and you know, I hate it. Even even more than Melanie Griffith as E. Johnson, I think the guy who played Sam Treadwell, whoa, that is a snooze fest. <laughs> just, like, sleepwalking through this entire movie. I, 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 I agree his performance is bad. His character, I would say it's better as a performance than Millie Griffiths, and his character is way better because yeah. he's totally pervy the whole time, and he's not a hero really ever. He's just like, no, I just want a sex robot because I want to do her. He's, really, he's yeah. really focused on getting his sex robot back. The basic, the basic premise of the movie renders him immediately unlikable as a character. You're like, he's yeah. putting people in danger. 
His entire life is devoted to a sex robot, and he learns nothing. I found him kind <laughs> of and he's a ritual lawyer. Uh, was it likable when um, he decided, you know, all this time, effort, money, people dying to get this one robot? Forget that. <laughs> Fuck it. Just, you know, Fuck it. Call it off. You, you, <laughs> I was so disappointed by that. I, want, I wanted him to go for the thing. I wanted at the end for him to learn especially not to be like, well, I'm happy now. See you later. I don't remember her name. Let's let's talk let's talk a little let's talk for just a second about the ending of this film and you know spoiler alert dude is cold as ice Sam yeah. Sam Treadwell gets his robot back puts the personality chip in keep in mind that he is in love with this robot he thinks he's in true love with this robot decides mid escape fuck this I want E Johnson instead tells his robot to go get him a coke and fucking leaves her to die in the desert. Yeah. Well, well, heroic music plays, and he flies away in an he airplane. Out with Melanie Griffith into the sun. Yeah, so good. And, 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 <laughs> and, 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 and speaking of disappointments <laughs> and other things in the movie, uh, the movie is way good when it intros because it's doing the sexy silhouettes and it's introducing you to sex spots. You're like, oh, this is great. And the milk is kind of bogged down in the desert scenes because it's it's a little bit Mad Max and some of the stuff gets kind of drags up. And the last twenty minutes of the movie way picks up because the bad guy is allowed to take over and he's great. They oh, go to yeah. Las yeah. Vegas. Lester to, is amazing. They go yeah. to old sand covered Las Vegas and it's actually pretty cool. They go to like the sex spot warehouse where the sex spots clearly were before the apocalypse. That looks awesome. And all the yeah. lighter action scenes are great because they're especially nihilistic, exactly what Alex is talking about. Like, And when the bad guy gets it, it's awesome and gruesome, and his, and his, and his people are like, Lester's dead. Well, no sandwich for him. So yeah. the ending of the movie had me rooting for it, and then I was looking back and I was like, oh, I wish, I wish the whole thing was like this. I would really like this movie if it was, but as is, eh. It just sort of trundles along for the vast majority of its running time. There are huge swaths of time in which it's kind of just like a, a low-key, aimless road movie, which yeah. is is okay, but makes very little sense given the you know the, the the future setting, the action theme. Like they spend a lot of time in some um, amid some X Tracker's enormous toaster oven collection, just sort of shooting yeah. the shit. <laughs> that, that's how these '80s movies that are uh, replicating Mad Max are: Land of Doom, She. What's that one we watched with the bikers, where the guys are porking in the tent? I never remember the name. <laughs> Every one of those movies, it's just like, here's the world, here's this intro, it's compelling because it's the end of the world. Now we're gonna drive around the desert. Oh, and they kill also, each other again. Also, what those movies is I have a hot glue gun and this scrap metal and this Harley Davidson. Yep. Done. Done. <laughs> Weren't there a ton of Mystery Science Theaters that were those crappy yeah. Mad Max movies? Yeah, like remember. Escape 2000 and uh, there's just a whole ton City of City Limits was another one. Oh yeah, City Limits. Which actually stars as a uh, James Earl Jones in a very brief, brief cameo. Oh, that's one thing that reminds me. Speaking of Mission Science Theater, one thing I forgot to mention about Cherry 2000, it does have Robert Zadar, which is always good. Oh yeah. Who, who is he? He's the guy with the giant face who is in oh, Soul. Oh yeah. <laughs> so all right, as as is traditional here on Terrorvision, uh, we all compile a list of three. Whoa, 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 whoa. Before you get closer to three, we've all mentioned Lester, but we have not talked Lester, about Lester, horror. Break it down for us. King, Emperor of the Wastes. King of the Forbidden Zone. Give it to us. Specifically, what, what was it? Is it, Sky, is it Sky Town was the name of it? It's Sky Ranch. Sky, Sky Ranch. Ranch. Beautiful town name. He's sort of this, uh, like, retiree in Vegas uh, wearing sunscreen on his nose and, like, the old man cap uh, with the brim all the way around. Shirts. 
all the time. There's some sort of dress code at Sky Ranch. That much is clear. It's like some weird 50s suburban deal going on in the middle of the desert. But not like but 50s, evil. More, 50s, more like just no, more like just you know retirees is what they look like. Yeah, and he's this evil, malicious rules his thing with an iron fist, killing any trackers by throwing knives at them. At the same time, uh, having this very also suburban wife making them sandwiches. Uh, you know, you get a feeling they're just gonna go golfing afterwards. Very laid back in everything, but then all those guys are armed with guns who are similarly look laid back, and it just that. The image of him and then how he acts in the whole thing just really makes the. If he wasn't there, this movie we wouldn't even be talking about. Oh, it. Totally. That's he true. Tells this movie. Yeah, he does. Adam is like his new age views on everything. Like he'll he's really supportive and is spouting out aphorisms all the time. Like he says uh, when he's sending everyone out to chase Sam and eat Johnson, he's like, "Keep the sun out of your eyes. Be yourself." <laughs> <laughs> No, he's amazing. Lester, I, I agree. Lester is probably my favorite part of the entire film. He also kind of makes the whole time. He makes the world make yeah. sense too, in, to to some degree. Because what you have is you have these you have these cities, these sort of oases of normal culture where life has gone on. Obviously, technology has continued, um, but it's clear that there was some cataclysm that created the forbidden zone, the wasteland. So what you have is you have these 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 oases of civilization, and you have stuff in the Forbidden Zone that people want, but can't get because Lester controls the wastes. He set up his own little yeah. fiefdom in the desert and he will kill anyone who tries to go in there and get stuff. And he has a particular hatred for trackers, these professional looters, essentially, of whatever uh, pre-apocalyptic items still remain in the Forbidden Zone. So even though the execution yeah. is so-so, the world conceptually is pretty darn cool and it's there to give you these characters like six finger guy and then the guy who tells his wife one-eyed willie yeah, the, guy, yeah <laughs> the guy who tells his wife yeah well randa here's gonna fix us some lunch ain't you randa no well then you can just go shit in your hat later on <laughs> the movie wants you to encounter crazy characters the whole time unfortunately it doesn't always work and it should have done a better job with his two main characters but yeah. as far as the bad guy goes they did him up. In fact, I think Horb, you were saying he's almost such a good bad guy that you you wish he was in a better movie. Like you wish you took him out of this movie. It's, it, you kind of wish that they built the entire film around around Lester. You gonna start the top three? Yeah, uh, as is traditional on Terrorvision, we we have a, a list of three things that we all compile independently of each other and secretly. These are three random things, um, and uh, I'll just I'll, I'll kick it off here. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, imaginary future technology particularly uh if the movie title can includes the word 2000 uh much like dracula 2000 much like dracula 2000 and and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of gems in this film the first thing that i loved about the movie is just that in the opening scene there's some sort of dishwasher that's just a it's just a, a half dome over a sink and it appears to do little more than spew bubbles out willy-nilly <laughs> and, destroy sex, and destroy sex robots it doesn't and i would i would install that sink in my apartment in a heartbeat uh the sex the sex so number two the sex contract negotiation globes that's uh, oh, yeah. that people put their hands in and, and apparently imagine sex acts with each other because apparently during these lawyerly these lawyerly consultations um it's important to have a computer rendering of exactly what sort of sex is on the table just to just to narrow it down and aid in the litigation process, 
And then the last one is a simple one, but uh, but a, a great one. The future flashlights that they that they wield uh, when they finally make it to the sex robot warehouse are oh, yeah. they're these sort of amazing orange discs on the end of sticks. They look like Lego Lego pieces. Yeah, that looks like some something you would make out of Tinker Toys. And they're just aesthetically very pleasing to me. And much like any good future technology, it uh, only serves the purpose of being more convoluted than something that already exists. Yeah, it's just a flashlight. It performs the exact same task, but it looks like a, a disc glued to a glow stick. Uh, my top three are really lame, so I'm going to go through them very fast and at the beginning, because I fear other people referencing them. I did my favorite road signs, which we've already discussed at length, so here we go. Number three, Soda City. Because it doesn't tie in with the dirty city names. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Number two is when they're going to the desert, it says, Rule of Law Ends. Because it's, like, <laughs> it's like conceptual. It's like if a sign was telling you, it's like, you know, the weather's really shitty after this. <laughs> and number one, number one is, of course, naming a town Glory Hole. Because it's great. Or, uh, I will have my top one reason that I do not have a top three list. Mm. Uh, which right. is a certain Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, to not instant watch before you watch it again. Uh, because they thought that the demand for Cherry 2000 was so high, they didn't want to waste precious megabytes <laughs> allowing me to stream it again. It was at one point there, which we could recommend people watching it, although I wouldn't necessarily. Uh, but now Netflix has made the decision for you uh, that you cannot. Nor, nor watch can you. Nor can you. Nor can you rent it. It should be mentioned, and I'm sure Cherry 2000 is a very expensive movie to keep under contract, so it's understandable. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you hear Melanie Griffith was nominated for an Oscar in Working Girl? I didn't. So, ergo, I didn't because everyone's forgotten yeah. Melanie Griffith's career because she sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, my top three is my top three outfits that people wear in the movie. Mm. Um, outfit the first is when uh, Sam first wakes up at Sky Ranch. He's wearing this like pink bowling oh. shirt, dominoes <laughs> all over it. Uh, in fact, is everyone at Sky Ranch has an amazing outfit, and they're all like color coordinated. Robert Zadar has some like blue and black checkered shirt with a yeah. fedora, and oh man, my second one is when they finally find the Cherry Two Thousand model in the warehouse. She's wearing this red jumpsuit with the white coat and scarf and white beret with white. <laughs> I wish I could wear that in day-to-day life because it looks amazing. It's illegal, though. Much like altering time, it's illegal. <laughs> much like, much like halting the flow of time, it's against galactic law. I was gonna say, no matter what outfits are in this movie, they'll never match the lead actress of Star Crash's many. Movies. It's true. True. My number one is I don't know. It really struck me. Unlike Melanie Griffith's performance. Her outfit. Oh. I, I, love, I love the whole cowboy thing with the tasseled gloves and everything. <laughs> Does anyone have anything they want to add? Any burning desire to discuss any particular aspect of this film? Yes, there was a cat in a fish tank. Oh my god, the cat in the fish tank! How did we forget about that? So because a... it like, passes by so fast. I'm changing my list. Fuck the flashlights. Uh, piece of future technology I am actually most impressed by and is shooting the, to the shooting to the top of my list is the cat in a fish tank. You don't know how it got in there. You don't know why it's there. It's on the desk of a hotel, and it's amazing. <laughs> While it's not the best, it's definitely a lot better than a lot of the other movies out there that try to do a similar concept. I think it has a lot of really good ideas and maybe just not enough 
I don't know, capital, what have you, resources to actually pull it off. Oh, I think it does good with what it has. Like it, it has enough to blow up a mountain. Honestly, the 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 production values are pretty good. It's yeah, it's 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 impressed. professional level uh, cinematography, it, it, decent oh, effects, yeah. pretty good costumes and world building. It's a good yeah. looking film for all of its flaws. It is a visually interesting and compelling film through and through, and I think that really uh, carries it a long way. But it actually irks me more because it looks like it had an actual budget and it didn't go through all the way with a lot of its weird concepts. I don't know. I just, I don't understand why you're so willing to put so many weird concepts on film and not truly follow through with really any one of them in particular. It kind of just dabbles. Yeah. It's got its, it's got its fingers in a bunch of different pies as my grandpappy used to say. And to quote your grandpappy, what's everyone's Netflix ratings? I would give it three stars. Solid three. I enjoy it. I've seen it twice. Uh, there's nothing I really disliked about it, but I'm not crazy about it. I agree. It is three stars. It is a good movie. No more, no less. Or I would be Debbie Downer. I'm going with two and a half. What? No, I'll tell you, because the two and a half is for the half of the movie that I like, uh, which is the last 20 minutes in the first play, you know, that's fair. Uh, and then the rest of it, I was incredibly bored. Uh, I would not watch this movie again on DVD just because it was sort of exhausting. I'd maybe watch it through Side Eye if I wasn't out. Uh, I wouldn't even recommend renting this movie. I would say if it's on TV, like it's on HBO, because it's like, it's Tuesday afternoon, give it a watch. So I, I, I really wouldn't go out of the way to watch it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with Horrible a little bit. I'm going to give this movie a solid three stars, but deduct half a star for Melanie Griffith's performance in the role <laughs> of Tracker. Because she fits that role. What did you see, working girl? <laughs> she fits that role about as well as OJ fit into his murder glove. <laughs> oh. oh! She really drags it down for me. She really drags it down for me, and... Uh... Podcast recorded in 1993. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to give the movie three stars as well to be boring, and I pretty much have the same opinion as everybody else. So, uh, Melanie Griffith's bad. Movie's all right. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I would actually say I really wish it was still on streaming. I would say it's worth starting and checking out as a curiosity and having on maybe almost even in the background... I hate seeing it once, but I'm not going to return to the, it. Anytime. The first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes are amazing. Everything else, except for the Hoover Dam rocket launcher scene, is pretty dispensable. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty. Well, uh, what do you think we should uh, grab to play us out? Uh, there's that opening theme when she's dancing in front of a Winston <laughs> all, on, all at Twin Peaks, I guess. Oh, yeah. What is the music? What's the, the music? Lodge, That's the true. What's the music? Well, well, can we play it out with a sound clip? Oh, yeah. We should play it out with the old man saying shit in your hands. Yeah. <laughs> On loop. Dub, dubstep. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> Good night, y'all. Well, I guess you can go shit in your hat. Yeah, well, Randy here is going to fix it some more, can't you, Randy? No, 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 no. No. Well, then you can just go shit in your hat. So, Oh, my God.